Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And we are joined today by a special return guest, one of our best friends, one of our best fiends, if you will. <laughs> Who are you? I'm uh, uh, Phil. Uh, Phil. Phil. Philip Phil. Phil Phil. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh Catchy no, name. Joe got hit by a car. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I, oh, I just got my memory back. Hello, it's me, Joe Hennis, uh, co-owner of ToughPix.com. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Oh, oh, good. Hey, guy. I'm, I'm just glad that, no, to... I'm assuming that means that no one made that joke already on this podcast. No. Great. No, they have not. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and we didn't even have to karate chop you across the room to uh, get your memory back. Well, let's see what happens by the end of the podcast. Yeah. All right. And Joe is joining us to talk about minutes 79 and 80 of The Muppets Take Manhattan. In these minutes, the Muppets kidnap Philip Phil while he's trying to have lunch with his colleagues. <laughs> so we start with uh, l- last week we saw that they heard the uh, glasses clinking, the together again glasses. And we start here with Fozzie dismissively saying, it's just a couple of frogs. As and we know, there, there's there's frogs in suits all over Manhattan, so it's no big deal. Infesting Manhattan. Well, well, Infesting Manhattan diners, specifically. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it is interesting because this movie does have, like, the rats are not affiliated with the Muppet group at the start. The frogs are not. The penguins are not ever, right? Like, they're just an independent group of, of Muppets that exist. Well, they're all unemployed. So, like, they're... Those penguins. They're, they're all... That's, <laughs> right, right. But, um... So there are, like, Muppets in New York who didn't go to Dan... What's it called? Danforth College? What's it called? Is that right? Um, I think so. Yeah, Danforth. Fan- Danforth? That sounds like Dan- a thing. Dan- Dan- Danhurst. 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 Dan- Danhurst. <laughs> right. So there's, there's, there's Muppets in New York who didn't go to Danhurst College, so it's not like... Or Danforth our, College. Or Muppets... Or, or Danman College. All, all or the people who were just yelling at us uh, from their, their podcast players, you're welcome. We got it right eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but so, like, my point is, there there could be Muppets all over the place. But aside from those small pockets, we don't really see them. There's not, like, random puppets out on the street or anything. That's true. In this movie. And, yeah, and we saw in the... The Frank Oz screenplay draft of the hospital scene that there was more of a joke about like how silly it would be that there were more frogs around the city. So, um, right. Yeah. I don't know. It's something that sort of, I think, fluctuates in the Muppet universe, how common that, that is. I, I feel like it's, uh, I don't know if it's a comment on something, but, and this may be a little bit of, of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen this whole movie yet, but like later on, you know, all of the Muppets that the, that our core Muppet characters meet, in the cities that they've all temporarily moved to for these, these new job opportunities that they found um, end up coming back with them. And it's almost like, like all of the Muppets that exist in this version of the world uh, only belong in part as part of the Muppet troop. Like we can't, we can't have Muppets that are scattered around, you know, doing other things, working in movie theaters and, you know, and, and playing with, you know, bands. Yeah. Hibernating in caves or whatever. It's like, no, they're all just waiting until they can be part of, of this show with this specific troop. Um, like even the penguins, the penguins who are looking for jobs end up, you know, in the musical in the end. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. 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 They get tossed. I guess. Um, 
I, I like looking at it as the the take of they've all found their place with these other silly characters. Right. So the question yeah. being asked, yeah. I guess, is like in other Muppet perform Muppet productions when there are Muppet characters that are scattered throughout the world that don't that aren't part of the Muppet troupe, um, like does that mean that they should be that they like they're they're missing something or? Uh, well, I. I feel like the main ones that have that are the like very studio bound literary adaptations from the nineties, yeah. right? Like, yeah, we go to we go to nephew Fred's Christmas party and Wander McMooch and Brule are there. <laughs> yeah, in those right? like, those movies, they're just Muppets everywhere. Like this, the right. city there's, is full. There's of them. no like there's no Muppet troop in those movies. Well, is, is yeah. what I was gonna say. I was also like I don't know why this was the first thing that came to my mind because it really shouldn't be, but I was thinking of Letters to Santa. And it's like they're like at the U.S. Post Office, and there's you know uh, that one monster, like a monster with, working, yeah, there. and he's just there. Hmm. And it's like I don't know, should he have you know pulled a Walter and been like, like this isn't my life. I have a special talent, and I should you know be part of the show. I'm gonna come live in this apartment building with the rest of you Muppets. Exactly. Yeah, that's no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's that's something for our listeners to ponder, I suppose. But. <laughs> What, what happens next in these minutes is that after Fozzie says that, Gonzo's eyelids open slightly, and then he looks around the side of the booth where he sees Kermit or Philip Phil, and then his eyes get real wide. And have we ever talked about Gonzo's eye mechanism on this podcast? I don't think we have. And that's a shame because it's we it's might the have best briefly because I think does he sort of like waggle his his eyelids when he's engaged to Camilla? Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, I'm sure we talked about it. Then. Yeah, but, maybe just briefly. But this is this is another great example of Gonzo's eye mechanism doing so much of the work. Well, and also yeah. like I've been watching the Muppet Show season one where he doesn't have that yet. You know. Oh, his eyes and, are just like his. I think they're smaller too on season one of the Muppet Show, and it's just. Yeah, it just contributes to his sort of like pathetic appearance in that right. early season. He also doesn't have a neck yeah. in the first season of the Muppet Show. Not really. <laughs> right. He's just he a looks lump. like Cigarbox Frackle. Oh, right? I never noticed that before. He looks just like Cigarbox Frackle. <laughs> 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 yeah, he sure does. All right. Um, uh, but anyways. yeah, but the the interesting thing I think about Gonzo because I love Gonzo's reaction in this scene. Like it's so big. Like the, like he gets that big like intake of air. Like. <gasps> Like it is Kermit, you know, yeah. and his eyes get big, like you said. And you know, aside from Gonzo's postcard scene where he's doing the water skiing bit, which is terrific, um, like Gonzo doesn't have, I, I guess, uh, like maybe the Martin Price scene at the beginning of the movie. Like he doesn't really have like many like wacky scenes in this. Like he's just That's you know true. a guy right. who's hanging out with Kermit and like says a silly thing once in a while. And not that this is like huge or wacky or whatever, but just to see Gonzo like show a big emotion, it feels very mm. satisfying to me. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and it's a good thing that he turned around to look at the booth because if he hadn't, they never would have found Kermit. Right. And well, this, this I mean, movie would have had a much sadder ending. Well, we we talked before about how this whole movie is like so full of coincidences in the third act, right? Like, yeah. The frogs happened to come into Pizza Luncheonette out of every nondescript diner in right. Manhattan, right? <laughs> I mean, you're describing um, like every sitcom, you know, like like all these right, these right. happenstance, you know, and yeah. like and like we would have solved all these problems if only we had cell phones in 1984. Well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, you have to have certain right. contrivances. Although, 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 as we also talked about, Kermit does call the diner to tell them that he sold the show. 
before he gets hit. Which that's is true. good, or else they would have found out, or else they would have found out when Ronnie Crawford came walking in, right? Like <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, yeah. But they also would have found him sooner if he had "Find My Phone" uh, on his on his phone, and then they could have just. That's, but where would he geolocate? Where would he keep his phone? Kermit doesn't have pockets. I don't know. Where did he keep the change to make the phone call, Ryan? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has a little Classic. pocket in his collar. Each of his the points on his collar has a quarter. It's one it. quarter. It's like it's like he's got penny loafers, you know. But yeah. instead of one penny on yeah. each shoe, he's got one quarter has, on each point. He has, yeah, he has quarter collars. Yeah, quarter collars. <laughs> That's why eleven quarters for that guy. He has eleven quarters. He has what is that? Uh, Two dollars and seventy five cents. Man, I'm sitting yeah. here trying to do the math That's, in my head, but I'm not that smart. That's a week and a half in the uh, in the uh, the lockers at Penn Station. The, oh, the bus lockers, yeah. yeah he has <laughs> 11 <laughs> days worth of bus lockers. Right. All right. Great. Great. So um, anyways, Gonzo, like you, like Joe said, Gonzo yells, no, it's Kermit. And everybody's kind of like, what? No, what? Huh? But Piggy runs around to see. Meanwhile, he's still tapping away at those glasses. Yeah. He's still, he's still playing together again. And Piggy yells, Kermit, and tackles him. And then everyone else piles out of the booth and crowds around him. And what I love about this is that the whole time Piggy is yelling, Kermy, 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 yeah. Kermy, while everyone else She's is so piling. She's so excited. She's so excited. Wouldn't she you be? Guy. They're pinned. They're pinned. <laughs> yeah. They're engaged to be engaged to be engaged. Yeah. <laughs> so can you imagine how exciting that is? Oh, yeah. Must be some pin. Right. But uh, th- the frogs are also taken aback. Because then Gil turns to the other frogs and says, my what friendly service. Yeah, I <laughs> love that joke. I, can I say a, a quick good. thing about Gil for a second? My favorite Muppet <laughs> yes. of all time. <laughs> Please. Uh, I actually don't have that much to say about Gil, except that I, I find it weird that all three of these uh, uh, Muppet, these frogs have hair. I don't know why that's weird to me, because yeah. usually we're just yeah, we used to... Oh, you did? All right, so forget that. Yeah. You, you listen to no, a no, previous podcast to talk about... About Muppet hair. You have but, your own thoughts. You have your own thoughts. No, but on my hair. actual thought about Gil here is, and I couldn't quite tell. Maybe you guys had uh, could tell uh, from the previous scene. It looks like Gil has um, like leftover food on his plate, and like as if like they had just finished their meal, which they haven't because they haven't even ordered yet. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess huh. either like something changed as they were filming it, or maybe like the table hadn't gotten bust yet, which would make sense because most of the staff is sitting at the next booth over. Like they are not working right That's now. True, That's true. Yeah. 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 Huh. I'm I'm looking at it now. I I had not noticed it, but maybe they had like an appetizer or. That's possible. But who took the yeah, order? They they obviously don't even know who their waiter is. Right, because Kermit hasn't even ordered. Yeah, it looks like. I don't even, is that like turkey and yeah, kind of looked potatoes? like yeah, kind of looked like a like a half eaten turkey leg to me. I, I couldn't really tell. Yeah, huh. yeah, huh. I, yeah, I had not weird. even noticed that. Yeah, well, there you go. That is a thing that exists in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> what is on that plate? Someone, our, someone our write Muppet Frank mystery. to Frank Oz. We gotta know <laughs> what did Gil eat. <laughs> What did or you know we could ask Steve Whitmire he would maybe know yeah he was Gil I bet he, he actually he, he may have actually eaten that food himself Steve Whitmire yeah we don't know Gil's performer is still alive we can ask him that's true yeah um do you think he do you think then, he cares <laughs> do you think he would know do you think do you honestly he, think that Steve Whitmire would be like oh I remember I that know, day and like we had a half a turkey leg and it was so good I don't know that he would know but I think Steve Whitmire would be delighted to be asked a question about Gil the Frog I think you're 100 percent right believe that. yeah. 
Totally, yeah. mm. totally right. Um, but uh, so what was I going to say? I don't know. What else happens in this? I don't what know. What else happens in this? Oh yeah. So uh, also while the while they're all crowding Kermit, Jenny straightens Kermit's suit, which I really like. I really enjoy that. Huh. That makes sense because well, of her business. Her business is right. Clothing. I know. I know. That's what, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah it's good it's stuff. Like a nice touch. Uh, I'm curious. Speaking of but, Jenny and clothing, um, I, I couldn't tell with this scene. Um, were you able to see what was on her pin, on her lapel? Oh, uh, I think this one is a seahorse. Whoa! So she went from penguin to uh, it was it a uh, dolphin at one, one point. It was just a yeah a fish maybe, and now yeah a, a seahorse. Man, I love that. I love that we're discovering this bizarre yeah, I never little detail. That yeah, it, it's like a little character arc. Yeah. <laughs> For her lapel. <laughs> On her clothes. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So then, anyways, they're, they're all excited. They love Kermit. They're crazy about that guy. But Phil, Philip Phil, is not having any of it. He says, I believe there must be some sort of mistake. <laughs> he's he's sounding a little bit more like Kermit, though. He's he's not quite as... Uh, he doesn't quite have the, the voice that he did when he first got the amnesia and started talking like Phil. I would love yeah, I to so. know de- more details. Obviously, we, we can't ask Jim Henson, but like, how did he develop the voice? You know, how, was it hard to do like, I mean, you know, he's at this point been performing Kermit for, you know, what, 25, 30 years? About, about, about 30 years. Yeah. 30 yeah, years, yeah. And, you know, to have like the Kermit puppet on your arm, but like to have a different voice coming out of Kermit's mouth, uh, that must have been... I don't know, like, I think, I, I would assume that it's, like, the kind of thing where, like, you start the take, you're doing a good job, you're doing the voice, and then by take four or five, it's just Kermit again, because it's just so right, natural. Right. Well, he's also sort of playing, a, a, it's Kermit, but it's Kermit as a different character, really, because yeah. it's Kermit with no memory of being Kermit, and he's just this this ad executive. Right, but it right. still has to have, a obviously, a tinge of Kermit's voice. Like, if, if right. he's like, oh, I lost my memory, and now I sound like Rolf the Dog... Like that right, would that wouldn't right, make sense. right, yeah. yeah. If, yeah. He, if he sounded like the Southern Colonel, all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad news. Um, but Kermit's yeah, gonna so anyways, tell them to buy Southern bread. Yeah, that, that would be good. I'd buy it if Kermit told me to. Sure, um, Southern bread. It, so then, it fills you up. It makes a sandwich. That's it, good. It yeah, yeah. He could. He would be a, so next. great for marketing that bread. Yeah. Have you talked? Actually, yeah. that's a thought thing. Like, have you talked about the fact that that these frogs are our ad people and Jim Henson was also an ad person in the early of his career. I think we mentioned that briefly. Yeah. Just how it was kind of a, a little bit of a callback to the early days yeah. of the Muppets where they were doing commercials. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it makes me think of, uh, intentional or not. Yeah. It definitely makes me think of those, um, those long pitch reels that they did for like, you know, Wilson's meets or whatever it was where they're showing like the Muppet performers and writers, like actually developing, Coming up ideas, with ideas. Which obviously yeah. the whole thing yeah. is fake, but like, you know, then we also have like, here's Jim again, you know, with these puppets. Uh, and also like specifically, you know, since it's the frogs, which which very much resemble those, um, like anything Muppet looking characters, uh, you know, that they use in the early days. You know, the Wilkins characters and Skip That's and true. Scoop. And, yeah. you know, yeah. like there's, I, I feel like. Strinkle and, uh, Shrinkle and Stretchle. Shrinkle and Stretchle. Some of the Your sort favorites. of abstract looking. Muppets, I love them. Yeah. I love them. Yep. And Frank Oz Dude, makes Cameron a cameo. Cameron falls in that ad, Joe. Sorry. What, yeah, he does. Yeah. What'd you say, Anthony? I'm sorry. No, I said I do love Shrinkle and Stretcher because Tamanilla Grinderfall is in that commercial. Oh, well, we love Tamanilla Grinderfall. She's the greatest. She is so, the greatest. Yeah. She's the greatest witchiest is, is witch that, of them all. 
Is that clip on YouTube? We should stick that in the show notes. We should link to it if it is, yeah, because that's, prob- that's probably relatively I, relatively obscure. Yeah, I no, don't know that the Muppets ever did a commercial for soap. I, I, like, I'm thinking, like, they did, like, various household products, but I can't think of one that was actually for a soap. I bet they did. They did so many commercials, you know? Yeah. yeah right. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could, like, you could bathe in Wilkins coffee. If you, oh, if you man, wanted. it too. I don't know why you'd want to, but you could. Yeah. So what happens next in this movie? So Bill says, Phil, since you know the waiters, why don't you order for us? And the Muppets are all confused. They're asking what's wrong and all this stuff. And with perfect, perfect timing, Phil turns to Piggy and orders the tuna melt. Yeah. And he's so polite. This, like, he's so polite. He does this like perfect little like satisfied little head nod after he says it, too. My my absolute favorite thing about this, though, is, uh, as Ryan could probably attest, because I've done this many times in front of him, whenever we're at a New York diner, uh, I also order the tuna melt. That's my go-to. I will, I will have the tuna guy. melt, please. I love a good tuna melt. And Yeah. Sure. And is that how you say it? And I'll have the tuna melt, please, ma'am. <laughs> I will now. Even yeah. if I'm talking <laughs> to, to a person who identifies as male. Yes. Yeah, gotta yeah. do it. Gotta do it. Phil, Phil. Phil, <laughs> your favorite Muppet. <laughs> this this is something some, so boring that I wasn't even going to mention it from the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay. But oh, in boy. that draft, he doesn't order a tuna melt. He orders a grilled cheese sandwich. Whoa. Which they is... Deci- they must have... just they must have decided tuna melt was funnier. Like maybe I think it is funnier. Day. Yeah. Well, they're also yeah. kind of the same exact thing, except that one has fish on it and one does not. That's fish true. Out. Yeah. 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 It's huh. like fish. I'm sure they thought about with, that. With tuna. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Um, but speaking of speaking of other dishes at Pete's, behind them in this shot, when they're all crowding around Kermit, we can see an ad for Pete's Peter Burger plate. Yeah. Yeah. I, did we all write comes, the same note comes, for this one? We probably, probably did. <laughs> that it comes with French fries, pickles, and coleslaw. But and, what and, I love about it. And tea or coffee. Oh, tea or coffee? Yeah, it says it's small underneath. Wow. Yeah. That's what Kermit should have ordered. Yeah, it's a good deal. Peter also, Burger because it, he, it says $2.79 on there. And I, I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. did the um, uh, the inflation exchange from 1984 yep. to today. That's $7.17 yep. today. That's a great deal. You get it is. the whole Even pita burger, fries, coleslaw pickle, and a drink for 7 yep. bucks. Yeah. Dang, Pete. At a New York City diner, I would expect to pay like at least probably twelve ninety nine. Oh man, it'd be a great deal for twelve ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven dollars and whatever is a bargain. But also, it's really fun to say Pete's Peter Burger plate. So yes, that's the most. It'd be important fun thing. to order order for that reason too. I'll just like. Can you imagine the satisfaction of saying, "I'll take Pete's Peter Burger plate, please." This, this is also <laughs> something that Ryan and I have have talked about. At eating at various places uh, in the city, where like sometimes it's very tempting to order the thing that's the most fun to say out loud. Yes, like mm-hmm. I will have the mm-hmm. Rudy Tutti Fresh and Fruity, please. And did <laughs> right. you get it? I've never did had the Rudy Tutti Fresh and Fruity. Um, there was something at um, uh, uh, Big Daddy's Diner that I ordered once because it was the f- most fun to say. But now I'm trying to remember what oh, it was. Yeah, Big Daddy's Diner, which is there. It's on Park Avenue South in Manhattan. There's there's a few of them. Very fun. There's a few of them in the city. Um, yeah. Well, the one on the Upper West Side closed. I don't know how many oh. more there were, That's but uh, yeah, the, it's all the whole thing is very kitschy, and like things are named after pop culture. Uh, actually, they have a, a milkshake called the Cookie Monster Shake. That's true. 
It's blue. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, there are many guy. things you can order there that are just fun to say out loud. Awesome. I'll like, keep that in and mind. And also, I, I'd like to Next try a, a, a pita burger, ham, a, pita, a pita hamburger, I think. You could. It's very easy. Just make a yeah. normal hamburger and buy pita instead Put of Put it a on bun. pita bread, yeah. I, I, yes. I think I will. I have a, a very non-Muppet-related uh, story that's related to that. <laughs> Um, so when yeah. I was 16 years old, uh, I took a, a trip to Israel with my camp friends and, um, it was a six week trip and like near the end of the trip, we were now like six weeks into eating like a lot of falafel and shawarma and like things that we're not used to and like, mm, just like sense. missing, you know, like it's a long time to be eating foreign food. And so, um, we were someplace where I saw on the menu, uh, that they had hot dogs and I was like, you know what? It's been a long time. I, I've been a tourist for this whole time. I can treat myself to like something that's familiar. So I ordered the hot dog, and here's what they did. They took a pita, and they threw two hot dogs in, <laughs> threw in a handful of french fries, squirted a bunch of ketchup, and then handed it to me. And, I mean, first of all, it was delicious. Don't get me wrong, because yeah. it's the same exact thing sure, that you yeah. normally get. It's just all you know, it's in a different configuration. But it was also like the most Israeli right. hot dog that you could possibly get uh-huh. in the world. Right. Well, well, that's what I was going to say about like the idea of a pita burger at a like a Greek diner. Sure. It's it's how do we make a hamburger Greek? Sure. Throw it into a pita. Yeah. You know? And this feels. I mean, I guess this is just something maybe a production designer came up with. It's it's very good. Uh, just to add a, a touch of, I don't know. It, it makes Pete's diner seem that much more authentic. If it didn't have yeah. Pete's name on it, I would have potentially thought that it was it was already there on the set. You know. Right, that it was a yeah. real sign from a diner. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing this makes me think of is this something I had never encountered before I came to New York City, which is um, having to order burgers on the menu as either a regular burger or a deluxe burger. Where if you want just a regular hamburger with cheese on it with nothing else, that's just a burger. But if you want the tomato and the lettuce and the pickles... Then you have to pay like four bucks extra for a deluxe burger, which when I first encountered that seemed like the biggest ripoff to me. Like, wait a minute, you have to pay extra just to put lettuce and tomato on this burger? That's just stuff that comes on a burger. To be fair, it also comes with french fries, the deluxe. Like, usually, that's what you're really yes, usually, yeah. usually the deluxe also comes with french fries, so that, that does help. You're describing this as a New York thing, but the Dairy Queen in Mayville, North Dakota had that exact same thing when I was a kid. Really? You had to pay extra yeah. just for those toppings? Wow. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. That's crazy and to can, me. Yeah. Yeah. Deluxe hamburger. Deluxe cheeseburger. I had never seen it before. All right. RIP Mayville Dairy Queen, by the way, Aww. as long as we're talking about local establishments. Oh, that's too that bad. closed. Um, then also, I, I mm-hmm. remembered what that ridiculous sounding thing was that I ordered at Big Daddy's Diner. Uh, it was the Moons Over My Hammy. Oh, oh that's I thought from that was a Denny's, Denny's thing. Bro. Oh, that's was it? Denny's. Oh, dang it. <laughs> oh, then that wasn't it. What was it? I just thought, like, oh, Moon's Over My Hammy. That's funny. That Should must have been pause? the thing ordered. Should we pause so you can look up yeah, the I'm gonna look Big it up. Daddy's Wait, menu? Big Daddy's yeah, we, But let's leave that in where you think it's a, where you think the. Oh, yeah. Leave in the thing where I sound like an idiot. Joe, I always sound like an idiot. Oh, me too. I can't, every time I open my mouth. So. It's fine. I never do because I edit out when I sound like an idiot. So we have taken a moment, and not only can we not find the amusingly named uh, item that Joe ordered at Big Daddy's, it also appears that Big Daddy's might be closed forever, which is very sad. Very sad. And now, and if it's true, I'll never remember. I'll never know what that thing was that Uh, I ordered. 
Well, it definitely wasn't moons over Miami. Maybe that's why they closed. Maybe they got sued by Denny's. Denny's. Maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. Who uh, had commercials starring uh, Kermit and Piggy? Remember those? Kermit and Piggy. Oh yeah, that was weird. Did you know that Denny is short for dentist? (laughs) Because that's his job. (laughs) What is that true? No. Oh, I wish it was. <laughs> I would totally believe you, you. You had me going. Oh, man. I wish. Well, okay. we wish well, uh, the, the owners of Big Daddy's the best of luck, and I hope they can open in a new location soon. Yes. That's, that's all. how I feel. That's how I feel about Mayville Dairy Queen. All right. Yeah. So what else happens in this movie? Oh, yeah. So they just are all surprised that Philip Phil doesn't know who they are. But what, I, what, what is fascinating is that Philip Phil says, should I? He's become so invested in his life as Philip Phil that he has forgotten or doesn't care that he had amnesia and, like, definitely had a life before that. Like, he should know that he has family and friends out there somewhere. Right. You know? But he he's should like, think, oh, yeah, like, maybe nope. these are the guys that I used to know before. We're, yeah. Right. But instead, he's like, no, I'm Philip Phil. Wait, you wh- stay away from me. What was like, it that Linda Lavin told him? Because she said, like, well, it's a hopeless cause, or, or like, what, like, I don't remember what the wording that she used. Linda Lavin right. just told him that he has amnesia. Well, it's hopeless to, like, find his identity. Is what right. She meant. So I wonder. She tells Enrico Tortellini. So what I'm wondering Go is, ahead. like, it did, like, whatever, however she phrased it to him, did it give him the sign of, like, well, I guess, I guess nobody's looking for me. I guess there's no way I'll ever know. And, like, yeah. it, like, because if it was still on his mind of, like, gee, I sure hope that I figure it out someday, then, like, he would probably have a different attitude, but like he's obviously resigned himself, and maybe that's why, you know. She says something like, "Why don't you go out and make a new life for yourself?" Yeah, right. But right, right. before so that, I doesn't guess she... he's just decided that this is his whole life now. Right. But like, I feel right. like right before that, she says something right. like, "Well, Mister, you know, Mister John Doe, Mister X. X, Mister X." Yeah, like it's a hopeless cause, or or it's you know, there's nothing we could do for you, or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, she's like worst case of amnesia I've ever seen, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll have to go so back anyways, a few episodes Philip, and. But yeah, there, there's not a glimmer. Even after seeing this whole crowd of, of his Muppet friends, there's no glimmer of recognition. Right. He's just like, he's just like, I don't care. I'm Phil. Yeah. Phil. Get me a tuna melt. I got marketing data to review. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think, though, like when he says, like, should I? There's like a little bit of hope in, in his voice of like, uh, like not, not like you would say to a stranger, but like, uh, I don't know. Like obviously, there's there's some reason that you recognize me, and maybe I should recognize you too. Yeah, maybe there's a little part of him. Right, but then also the person who knows him least, Ronnie Crawford, starts violently shaking him, <laughs> and says, "We have a show to put on your show, and it's opening tonight." Well, Ronnie Crawford also has the most financial investment in this happening. Financial and and personal. Like this is this yeah, is his right. one shot. This is it. Yeah. 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 yeah Jen, Jenny's going to get another job designing costumes for someone else if the show doesn't go up. But Ronnie, I mean, Piggy has a pretty big personal investment. Well, yes. in him knowing who he is, but not the same. Yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> dif- it's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Ronnie does it, and then that's when Philip Phil says. Seeing a show would be a pleasant way to spend the time, but I do have some marketing data to review. <laughs> and it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. And I love that, that then they cut to the three frogs at the table and they're all like, yeah, he really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? he, they all nod. He, he works a lot, obviously, because like, he's, you know, you see a show at night. He can't even just take a night off. He has to review that marketing data. Right. 
That's what he does. That's his yeah, whole I guess life. So. He, that's literally it's a hard life. there's one thing to his personality right now, and that is he works in marketing. And yeah. and the other thing is he used to own a straw hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what happened to that straw hat? Yeah, maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just like not part of the work look, you know. No, yeah. That was that was he's Biz Cash. That, yeah. Now he's Biz. Right. Now right. he's Biz. <laughs> yeah. Now now he's Philip Phil that Biz. <laughs> All right. Are we going to have to so, register that now? Oh, man, we should. Um, so anyways, they all realize that he doesn't remember. He really doesn't. So Piggy says, we have to get him to the theater. Kermit, this is for your own good. Grab him. And then they all grab him and carry him off while he's going, ah, ah. Yeah. It, it's a cool little, like, I, I don't know exactly how they choreograph that that puppet move because he, when they grab him and sort of pull him up, you see his legs, like his whole body is there. It's it's almost like he's crowd surfing uh, right. on, yeah. with all these other Muppets. It, it reminds me a it, little bit too of the scene in Muppets Most Wanted when all those prisoners uh, like sort of manhandle him at the gulag. Right. The scene where you can see Steve Whitmire as a prisoner. As, yes. As like one of the yes. crowd holding him up. Yeah. Which rules. I love that. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I was curious who grabs Kermit's legs because obviously it meant that the puppeteer had to like grab his legs and hoist them up and it's Fozzie um, mm. probably not Frank Oz because he was performing Piggy at the time right. um, but like you would think like without having seen it uh, like okay who who actually physically grabs Kermit and brings him up it's like you would think it would be one of the humans because they have you know real hands and they can like see what's right. going on at all angles and whatever they're not working from right. below Although- Although Fozzie has live hands, too. Though, well, he does, least. but also, you know, like... That's why it's not Piggy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think, like, everything's, like, a little bit harder when you're a puppeteer. Um, and that seems yeah. like a very specifically yeah. choreographed move. And uh, But, no, I mean, it's great. It works for what it is. It's just... I would have guessed it would be, like, Ronnie or whatever. Right. But it's, it's not. Or, it's, Je- it's or Jenny, yeah. Jenny. She's the other one. Right. Or Pete comes running in, grabs <laughs> Kermit. I've got the know? legs. Yeah. He's just like... He's just like, Frog, you owe me two weeks of washing dishes. <laughs> his arms, his legs, his frog. <laughs> his show! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so anyways, then Bill the Frog says they must not get a lot of repeat business here. The, the frogs is, are just like, they're so they're so dry. I love it. They're so dry in this. It's so good. And just like, it's such a perfect button on that scene. Yeah. Yeah, um, here's something else that was in the... Actually, this came from the the Marvel Comics adaptation. I don't know if it was in that draft, but remember how earlier I said in the, the comic, Beauregard uh, drives all the dogs and bears and chickens to the city, and they, they go on a sightseeing tour? Uh, mm-hmm. So in in the, the comic at this point, after everyone takes Kermit out of the diner, Bo pulls up in the van and all the dogs and bears and chickens are there and they're like, look, there, there's, there's our friends. They're going into the theater. So again, they, they felt for some reason the need to establish like, okay, in case you were wondering, here's how all these other Muppets got from, you know, driving around the city to the theater. Beauregard took them when really nobody ever cares or thinks about it. Well, it had to be Beauregard. Right. He's only one of like three Muppets who drive. Yeah, that's true. Right. Not well, but he does drive. <laughs> well, who is it? He's like so he have a driver's license. Fozzie, Fozzie, Beauregard, Dr. Teeth. Uh, is that it? Well, Miss Piggy drives in Great Muppet Caper. She drives a truck. Oh, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she rides a motorcycle. Yeah. And she yeah. does her own stunts. Yes. I hope you appreciate it. All right. So now we're backstage at the Biltmore Theater. 
The crowd is filing in for opening night, and the Muppets are all backstage. 80s robot drives, doesn't he? He does, yes. He drives the car. Wait, before before we get to backstage, uh, we spend uh, 10 seconds at the establishing shot of uh, the Biltmore Theater, and then... Yes, that is... that is Yeah, go ahead. And then uh, 10 seconds inside the theater watching people get to their seats. So I just want to point out that uh, it's a full sixth of my two minutes of this episode are just watching... 16% of this clip. Yeah, like, like just watching people sit, watching people get ready for this show. It's like nothing. Nothing happens. Well, I guess they want to establish that, like, it's a big deal. That oh, it's not just for the sure. Muppets backstage. Yeah, you got to like, know that this is the opening crowd. night. But, but here's my yeah, complaint. People, people came to see the show. Frank Oz, when he directed this scene, didn't take into consideration that at some point the three of us would be talking about this two minutes at a time. <laughs> and so now it's 20 whole seconds. There's nothing to say. There's nothing going on. We're just, yeah, just wait. Well, I do. I, I don't think we've talked about the Biltmore Theater, have we? We did, yes. We talked about the Biltmore Theater. Uh, in the scene where Statler and Waldorf are outside of it and talk about how uh, I got great seats. First flight out of town. Ho, ho, ho. We went through the shows that were there. We talked about it, how it's the Samuel J. Friedman Theater now. Oh, okay. I have a very short memory, apparently. Yeah. All right. So, but what what else about the uh, Biltmore Theater, oh. Samuel J.? We talked about the Dune, the Doonesbury musical. What do you want to talk about, Joe? Uh, the only other thing that I had about this is I was curious if they actually filmed the interior uh, this interior shot at the Biltmore, and I, I don't know where they filmed it, but it was not the Biltmore because I found some pictures online, and uh, the interior well, doesn't match. But the Biltmore had a fire in 1987 that destroyed the whole interior, yes. and they had to redo it. But I so. found some very old photos. <laughs> oh, cool. so yeah, no, yeah, unfortunately, awesome. like there's there's some like like uh you know archways or something like that and instead of the balconies or vice versa i don't recall now because i don't have pictures in front of me but um but yeah it's not the biltmore which makes sense that like you know i can see hmm. them saying like uh you know paying to change the marquee for a day so they can film the establishing shots but not to pay for a broadway well, theater to shoot on the interior i don't know they would have been working on that Doonesbury musical at the time of this, uh, you know, when this movie was being filmed. So maybe they couldn't get into the theater for that reason. That's possible. Um, yeah. Either way, it seems to me like, uh, you know, it's like, just just go to Albany. It's not that far away from New York City. Right. And like, find theaters, a theater there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so what we do see backstage, though, is Fozzie who is in the middle of a very involved joke about a grizzly bear, a panda bear, and then the phone rings, and it's a polar bear who says to the panda bear, I didn't know it was a koala bear. Get it? Waka waka. <laughs> yeah, he, and then he throws a waka waka at us, which is the I, only I one do, in this movie, I think. Yeah, I, I do love this joke, even though I'm not really sure. Obviously, it's not a real joke. There's not a, there, there is no rest of the joke. We're just hearing the end of this, this fake joke. And I guess... The idea is that koala kind of sounds like like collar bear or or collar yeah, bear. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely a phone punchline, right? It's like he, yeah. he called him, right? Yeah, but um, like I'll, why I'll, why is the grizzly bear even there? What what does the grizzly bear have to well, do? Well, it's bear humor, Ryan. Okay, I wouldn't well, get it. You had to be bear. You had to bear there. You had to be bear. Joe, you and my three-year-old son, Miles, are on the same page because – he watched this with me earlier today when I was watching it for this episode. And after Fozzie says the punchline, Miles turned to me and said, they're all bears. <laughs> <laughs> they are. 
They're all bears. <laughs> well, I, I do also just like the idea of uh, coming into a joke, uh, like a nonsensical joke and just hearing the punchline. Um, I asked for other examples of this on Facebook today, and I got a few suggestions. Anthony, you mentioned the, uh, the joke in Pee Wee's Big Adventure when Pee Wee is sneaking onto the Warner Brothers lot by pretending to be part of Milton Berle's entourage. And, and I think Milton Berle's punchline... Do you, do you remember it? I don't remember it exactly. Yeah, Milton Burrow's punchline is, what do you think I got down there, a duck? Yeah, and then everybody just laughs uproariously, and Pee-wee's like, ah, <laughs> duck. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea what the rest of that joke is, and it's better off that and, we and don't. Of, of course, we should also say Muppet movie cameo guest star, Milton Burrow. Yes, he's yes. In, and he's, in, he's in two of the most perfect movies ever made, and he was, like, not... He had he had no success as a movie actor in the 40s and 50s. And then he's in two of the greatest comedies ever made as an old man. So There you go. Um and then somebody uh, who was that? Oh, this was on Twitter. Oh, well our our past uh frequent guest Eric Adams mentioned a joke in Men in Black which I have no memory of. He said after Agent K uh neuralizes the soon to be Agent J, the action picks up with them at the Chinese restaurant where K is telling the punchline to what I recently learned is a legendary dirty joke. So I don't remember that one, but I'll have to rewatch uh uh Men in Black, Men in I guess. Black, yeah. Um sure. I I I came up with a couple if you didn't have more Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh in Finding Nemo, uh Marlin is telling the joke at the end of the movie with Franz like these who needs anemones. Feel like that. Um, yeah, and that's an example where you don't need a setup. No, you don't that. need that's a setup. Just a, um, that's just a pun by itself. Maybe my favorite example of these these orphan punchlines is in Trading Places when uh, the rich people are like, and she stepped on the ball, and then everyone laughs. <laughs> and then I feel like, I think it was maybe one of the Wet Hot American Summer miniseries, uh, or, or, or one of those goofy uh, movies, uh, did a... Um, uh, did a, a follow up on that, and they had like I think it was like a kid is telling telling a story and says, and she stepped on the ball. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, awesome. Fozzie Bear himself had an orphan punchline in an episode of the Muppet Show. Uh, mm. In the Loretta Lynn episode, uh, he's telling the joke. Did you hear about the electricians and the polar bear? It's another polar bear joke. And so he says, okay, first of all, and then a train passes, because this is the episode where oh, the train station yeah. And yeah, you don't yeah, hear classic. the you don't hear the middle of the joke. And then after the train passes, he goes, But the wallpaper tasted delicious. And <laughs> nobody laughs. And then Fozzie says, I'm so lonely. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh. Well, and speak, speaking of not laughing, speaking of not laughing, Philip Phil's reaction to this joke is this is all very amusing. Yeah. In this not, very obviously deadpan. not. Right. But yeah, no, apparently but, but, orphaned punchlines like, is that's what those are called on the TV tropes website. So there's a few other examples there. Uh, yeah, and I, I do I do want to call out one more, even though the, I probably should have made them up a show one last. Um, okay, so there's this TV show uh, a bunch of years ago called Michael and Michael Have Issues, which starred Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter. Uh, it was on Comedy Central, and I um, answered a call to be an extra in in an episode. And like we're all like a bunch of us are in a theater, and um, Michael Showalter is, like is on stage, and he tells us like not not on on uh, camera, but like he says, okay, here's the idea: is like I'm going to be telling like a bunch of really funny jokes, but you are only going to be hearing the punchline, 
and I need you all to like laugh uproariously, and then we're gonna make like a montage out of it. And so um, we sat there as for like like for like ten fifteen minutes. He was just like reading a list of of these basically orphan punchlines. The only one I remember off the top of my head was uh, Houston. We have a sandwich. Um, <laughs> and if you go back and find that episode, whatever it was, uh, I don't know how you would find that episode. Um, but they they cut to me quite often because I think I looked like a like a college student because it was supposed to take place at a college. Mm. I was like wearing like my big glasses oh, sure. and and I was wearing a hoodie or something like that and uh so I get some some good close-ups in that. Um so yeah. so it's in the episode it's just a montage of punchlines? Yes. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Proud Thank of you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh I also I don't know why I did this, but uh I wrote down a bunch of koala jokes. Do you want to hear them? Oh, I that did not uh, even occur uh, to me. Yeah, I, I want to hear yeah. all the koala jokes you have. Um well, you know that koalas aren't actually bears, right? Yeah, yeah. I, so I always, but I, do you know why? I mean, so do you know why they're not actually bears? Well, is they this got, a joke? They got or? opposable thumbs or something, right? Uh, no, it's because, it's because they don't meet the qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, man, I hate that. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, you know what the the capital of, of bear country is? I give up. Koala no, Lumpur. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Did you like? Did you like my koala bear jokes? Would you, I like would, your you, koala yes. would you say that I they like were of koala? high quality? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff, man. Thank you. You. Should, you should be you should become a professional comedy man. All right. And taste the difference koality makes. And and one more thing about koalas is just that um, on the no, Muppet Babies. No. no, this isn't a joke. On on the new Muppet oh, Babies, yeah. uh Fozzie's yeah. uh, sister is a koala. Fozzie's sister's name is Rozzy. Yeah. Um, listeners may know that my wife's name is Rosalind or Roz for short, or occasionally Rozzy. It's what her, my nieces and nephews call her. She loves this man. She lost her mind when Fozzie's Fozzie's baby sister had the same name as her. She's like all about it. She wants to get a plush doll of that thing so bad. Nice. Someone tell Matt. Yeah, no such no such product exists, unfortunately. Yet. I, I guess like is the the only other. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Is the only other notable Roz in pop culture Roz from Frasier? No, Roz from Monsters, Inc., my dude. There you go. Oh, okay. There's there's lots of Roz's. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there are several. Um, She kind of hates Roz from Monsters, Inc. because we were in high school when that came out. And so it would be like people would walk up to her and be like, hey, Wazowski, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. So she's like not fond of that character being named that, you know? But yeah, that's unfortunate for her. Whatever. <laughs> oh well. Um, and also, uh, she would she would want me to note that there was an episode of Elmo's World where Snuffy has a friend from Snuffle Garden named Rosalind the Snuffle Up. Right. Oh, that's right. And and she loves that because Snuffy is her like number one favorite Muppet with a bullet. Snuffy every time. And the performer of that character was Jen Barnhart, and Roz's maiden name is Barnhart. Wow. So yeah. There. They are not related, but she she really loves that all of that happened. That's great. Yeah. Uh, was there an episode of the original Muppet Babies with a koala? Yeah, that it, was the one with like, the they, um, the alien. They thought it. Yeah, they thought the koala was an alien. Yeah, and yeah. they were like trying to huh. hide it from Nanny or something, and then it turns out it's just like a, a koala bear that escaped from the zoo. Or it something. turned out it was Fozzie's sister the whole time. <laughs> what he didn't know. He was like, was "Who's what's this weird alien thing? Oh, it's my sister who I've known <laughs> yes. for years." great i think we've all had moments when we suspect that our siblings are aliens 
That sounds like one of those yeah. books, like like my what, my teacher's Bruce an alien Co- or whatever. Bruce, yes. Bruce Coville, yeah. yeah Shout Bruce out Coville. to Bruce Coville. Yeah. Shout out. I love this. I love <laughs> those books. Our yeah. favorite he's, podcast he's listener. Alive. He's listening he's to this podcast. Alive. I know. He's listening. Yeah, he I, I hope he listens, yeah. If, if he, Bruce Coville wants to come in, I'd love to have him, you know? I tell you what, this is a, a spoiler for the last book in that series, which I think was called My Teacher Flunked the Planet. Um but so it's you know skip ahead a little while if you don't want to hear about this. But um, <laughs> the the big twist of the whole series was that these aliens. I, I think it was that the aliens had invented television so that humans would be like obsessed with TV and they would be distracted all the time and it would hamper their their like uh, evolution and development and it would make them more susceptible to being invaded by aliens. And I think about that a lot, um, like in terms of the internet and social media, because of that, sometimes I really suspect that that might have actually happened. Maybe might social media true. was invented by aliens who wanted us to get dumber so they would be able to invade the planet. Well, the the joke's on them because we're all obsessed with TV and, and movies and, and media and stuff like that. And look at us. We're, we made a podcast. Look how productive yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're, yeah, so, we're so productive. Yeah, take that, Bruce Coville. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Actually, you're not invited no, to the I, podcast after yeah, all. Yeah, you're not. You're not allowed anymore, man. Uh, All right? <laughs> Don't fry my V-Blacks. I didn't love it in third grade. Wait, no, that's not true. Hey, what, Actually, what, what is this podcast one, about anyway? <laughs> uh, it's about the movie Muppets Take Manhattan, where, oh, really? these, minutes, where these minutes end with uh, what we've already said. Like, the last thing we hear is Philip Phil saying, "I this has all been very amusing. But I and then he and then he cuts oh. off. So, I, I will say so I'm, really I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that we uh, that this clip didn't cut out partway through Fozzie's joke. Not that it would have made the joke any better mm. or worse, but I feel like like the completest in me. The uh, like I, I I like it. It, just w- it would have bothered me very much. It doesn't matter that we cut off in the middle of this sentence for Kermit, but in the middle of a joke that would have been that would have stung a little bit. Right. Well. Well. We li- listeners will know that we had that last week. Where the clip cuts off right before the others discover Kermit. Right? Oh man! You know the suspense. You, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was kind of unbearable, frankly. I mean, I, I kind of like the cliffhangers. It keeps our listeners coming back, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yes, he did just say unbearable. Joe is making a, a face like he's Joe so excited. Is, Joe is mocking me for having said bear again. All right, um, <laughs> but. That does bring us down to the end. So anything else about these two minutes before we go? Joe, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, the only other thing that I had was, um, so I, I know you probably talked about the glasses thing at the beginning um, of, the, of this clip last week because that was most of yeah. Kermit hitting whatever. But um, so a very good friend of mine, my friend Rob Zajac, who is um, one of my very best friends from college um, and still a very close friend of mine. Um, he is a musician, uh, and a sound engineer in his spare time. And he's also a huge Muppet fan. And, um, he (laughs) sent me a video a few years ago. Uh, it's pretty funny of him like drinking a glass of water and then having this surprise look on his face and then putting the glass down and then hitting dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's great. That's a delight. Then, uh, a while later, I couldn't find the video, so I couldn't tell you exactly how much later. He actually, like, lined up a bunch of glasses, um, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, in front of him, and with two spoons, play the entire song of Together Again. The entire song? Yeah, the entire, I mean, you know, like, the first, like, 
verse and chorus or whatever. Um, wow, yeah, that's impressive. Because, you know, he's a talented Short guy. Time. He knew how to do stuff like that. Uh, but uh, anyway, I thought that was a fun thing to share. And I asked him, like, did you put this online or something like that? He's like, man, I don't even know where that video is. So uh, unfortunately, you'll just have to imagine it. But it's a thing that existed in this world at some point in time. Huh. Yeah, awesome. that's impressive. Ryan, anything else? Uh, yeah, from the March 7, 1983 draft of the screenplay, uh, a couple things. First of all, for those who still ship uh, Jenny and Ronnie, it, it notes in the stage directions that when everybody gets excited that they found Kermit, uh, Jenny and Ronnie hug. So there's that there. Oh, the there's huggies. Like just make it, yeah, just these these little bits of like, you know, sort of half-hearted, uh, let's, let's, let's throw these two kids together. Um, and then uh, also... Before the next thing that happens in the actual movie, the Muppets make a few more attempts to restore Kermit's memory. Uh, Gonzo uh, says to Kermit, Okay, remember this? This was one of your favorite acts. I will now rest the entire weight of my body on my nose, rotating counterclockwise and reciting the last act from Othello. And Kermit says, That's rather silly, isn't it? Why would you do that? So that's funny. I can see why they, you know, once Fozzie does his thing, they're ready to just kind of move on with it. But then there was another one where Statler and Waldorf come into the dressing room. Statler says, someone said you needed some help. Waldorf says, stand back. Uh, And then he says, you call this an opening night? I've seen better openings in Swiss cheese. Statler says, are those your eyes or did you win them in a ping pong tournament? And Kermit has no reaction and just says, I've got a board meeting in the morning. And that's when it moves into Piggy's thing. That actually feels a little bit like their scene in Muppet Family Christmas, where Mm. they show up at Fozzie's mom's house, because it's just kind of like, Statler and Waldorf are part of the gang. Here they are, like, like hanging out with the gang, still insulting them and belittling them, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, we all know these guys who just follow us everywhere we go and make fun of us. um, I I will say, though, like, the the Gonzo scene, if if that or something like that had been left in, it would have made sense that, uh, you know, we see, like, Kermit interacting with, like, several characters in a row that are doing these very silly things and he's not reacting to them. And then the fact that Miss Piggy's like, we're going to get married, he's like, that's silly. That's ridiculous. Right. And he starts that's laughing. the most ridiculous. Like, yeah. That's so much yeah. ri- more ridiculous than Gonzo balancing on his nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. I right. wonder, I almost wonder if it could have, I guess it, it wouldn't really work for the pacing to have made that a montage, like show the, the band playing a song for him or and show, I don't, I don't show know. Gonzo actually doing the thing. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I guess um, it wouldn't really work. Yeah. But all right. So, before we go, um, Joe, you've been on the podcast already this year. Which I have. For this movie. Correct. So we usually ask our first-time guests if they remember the first time they saw this movie, you know, where they drank and stuff like that. But instead, I'm going to ask you, do you remember the first time you heard Muppet Beach Party? <laughs> <laughs> and where would you rank it among all things created by humans? Oh, man. Uh, well, so I remember... <laughs> remember um, Buying Muppet Beach Party on cassette. For those who don't know, no, they don't need to know. They don't need to. Yes, know. they do. No, Muppet fine. Beach Party. <laughs> Muppet Beach Party is an album from the '90s on the short-lived Jim Henson Records label, and there where are... the Muppets are having a beach party and they sing a bunch of old uh, pop songs from the '50s and, and '60s. And if you, we we will link to this in the show notes. But on the Tough Pigs website, you will find 
uh, and in, I, I, I would say a semi-enthusiastic defense of it from Ryan, and a very enthusiastic ripping of it to shreds from me and you. Joe. You could not just let me enjoy something. The two of you just had to follow up that article with a really mean uh, rebuttal, like telling me how stupid I was for enjoying uh, that's, an album. Oh, come on. That's not true at all. No, Is no, not like, true at all? Is it true a no, little bit? No, you can like Muppet right. Beach Party well, for some reason if you want. I'm well, not your boss. See, here's the thing. The, the, the article is, uh, you know, it's like, I can't remember the exact title of the of the subject, uh, but it's like, you know, counterpart Muppet Beach, Beach Party is terrible. Not counterpart Ryan is wrong. You know what I mean? Well, that's true. But we can we can link to both of them. Yes. In the show and then you can make your own decision. I'm sure you could find Muppet Beach Party somewhere. Yeah. I, absolutely. But I will say, I remember being very excited at the time. There was a few albums within within a few years of each other. I remember specifically that and Ralph the Dog's Old Brown Years is Back, where like we would just find out that these things existed, and then you would just go and buy them and then hear them for the first time. You know, it wasn't like I heard about heard a song on the radio. And I'm like, I guess I'll buy that album, or like, you know, this is a, a, a special, and I'm gonna buy the soundtrack to the special I've already seen. So like right. that alone was very very exciting and to that point and just to tie it back into this this podcast how disappointing is it that the Muppet Stick Manhattan doesn't really have an official soundtrack not since yeah, yeah not since the original vinyl LP right. in the like yeah it's never been reissued no in any format and I mean I don't right, know about you guys like right. the mp3s that I I have on my computer that someone ripped off of their their record like the quality's not even that good like the mm. the cuts between right, songs yeah. are a little sloppy Agreed. um I I don't know why uh, Sony and Disney, now that they have all these cool partnerships for Spider-Man, can at least come together to give us a friggin' soundtrack for this classic movie. It w- people yeah. would definitely seek it out. Like it, it would be, it would sell if they did that because people love this movie so much. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I don't know why they don't. But all right, well, I think that just about brings us down to the end. So. Uh, Joe, thank you as always for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you. Always kinda, a pleasure to be I, here, and and I also kinda, a pleasure to not be here and to listen to you saying things without me. Because I love this podcast. <laughs> this is my favorite podcast. I love this thing. Ah, uh, well, Thanks. thank you. You're 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 our favorite third brother. So, all right. <laughs> um, so, listeners, though, you can you can read fine writing by mostly these two and me sometimes on toughpigs.com. And, uh, you know, our, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. You can email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com to tell us your thoughts about Muppet Beach Party or anything else related to the Muppets. And uh, a thank you to Stacy Rosen for writing our theme music and to Morgan Davey for designing our logo. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and you can follow him on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist and Joe. Where can listeners find you these days? Uh, obviously, you can find me on all the Tough Pig social media things. I'm on um, Twitter at Joe Hennis. I'm on Instagram at Tough Pigs Joe. Uh, I don't post on either nearly as much as I should. Uh, but there you go. And apparently, we're all getting letterboxed now. Should I be doing that? I don't know. I'm not doing that right it's now, just, so I'm not on Letterboxd. Uh, I think just, we just started t- mentioning it because Anthony's not on Twitter, so he wanted to be able to oh, tell like, no, for sure. To, I wanted to, to like him. have a thing, and also like Letterboxd is fun because all you talk about is movies. You know, yeah, no, I'm like, down for it. I I also no I would like I would love to. Uh, oh, I totally get it. Um, but also, like, I do want to 
promote the fact that Tough Pigs has a Patreon. So if you want to support us financially, yes. oh, yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, we can, we don't talk about that. Well, we're talking about it now. We have a Patreon. We should be yeah. yeah we Wonderful, should be talking right? about that more often. Yeah, on the podcast. go to Patreon.com/toughpigs and and you can see what all the cool perks are and yes. help us out as we're giving you all this fancy uh, Muppet content for free for if, the past twenty years. If you like what we're doing, we could use your support. Yes, indeed. And in the meantime, after before or after you've done that, you can also give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends to listen to the show. And join us next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Muppet Beach Party is good. <laughs> oh, koala bear. Oh, I get it now. Wow, they have a Bosom Buddies omelet there. A Fantastic Four omelet. <laughs> a What About Bob sandwich. A Who's the oh, Boss I've had the sandwich. What About Bob. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. Um, what About Bob sandwich. Oh, I don't Fran even. Brill. I can't even. Fran Brill is in that. Lord of the Fries. <laughs> <laughs> Moons over my hand. I don't even is... see a wait, link to the wait, menu. Wait, wait. So I'm, I'm on delivery. Fries are Lord of the Fries are Lord of the Fries. Yeah, but they're our just onion fries. Rings Lord of the Rings. The description is. But our onion rings Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's a good question. The description is so crispy. Um, Because that's a real missed opportunity if not.